0: Welcome to the Connector podcast, an ongoing conversation connecting fintechs, banks and regulators worldwide. Join CEO and founder, Cohen van der Hooydong, as you learn more about the latest available trends and solutions in the markets. Welcome to another podcast of the Connector. And today I've got a very nice new customer with me. It's SwissQuant and represented by Salar. Can you introduce yourself and maybe afterwards also introduce SwissQuant?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, Salar speaking. I'm heading the sales team at SwissQuant. I have my background uh, in wealth management as a client advisor, but also from more strategic positions and I'm looking forward to the discussion today. Ooh.
0: Salar, can you explain a little bit more about uh, SwissQuant? Uh,
1: yes, sure. Uh, so. We've been in the market for now almost 19 years and uh, we help banks, uh, clearing houses, but also external asset managers w- with our software. And that is uh, in context of uh, advisory, but also discretionary management. So, uh, and analytics, uh, which uh, we back up uh, with our quant uh, DNA. Mm-hmm. And while we're here
0: in Zurich today, you're Swiss-based Um, Where do you provide your services? Which geographies and what's the ambition?
1: Yeah, um, of course, our home market, I would say, is Zurich and uh, Europe. Uh, That's where we have been operating since the start. But uh, luckily... um, we are now also represented in Australia, in Sydney, wow. uh, throughout the Middle East, uh, which is a very, uh, very attractive market for us. And uh, hopefully soon also in uh, South America, uh, in particular in uh, Colombia. Wow. In the advisory, when you look at it, uh, probably every bank does it a bit different, but uh, there are some quite some overlaps and uh, what you want to ensure as a software provider, as a fintech, is that you really can cover the end to end journey for mm-hmm. a bank. Uh, and when you do it, you want to do it nice. I know it sounds very uh, naive and uh, easy, but that's exactly where the difficulty is, right? Uh, because everybody can build nice uh, UIs and a front end, but you have to back it up with qualitative tier one grade data and analytics. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, where our strength is, that we can really um, not, not just cover the width, but also the depth uh, when it comes to advisory solutions. Mm-hmm. And over time, what has been the uh,
0: the focus points or wh- how did uh, SwissQuant grow? Was it more because of the front end or was it more on the analytics part? Yeah.
1: Uh, absolutely the, the last one so uh, i would say when we started uh, and we were uh, we we're a off from eth zurich right uh, uh, we at the beginning we were a quant house with some software mm-hmm. but now we are a software house with the uh, quant dna and and that stays true to this to this day having said that We understand and we're absolutely aware of the fact that a nice UI is more just than design, right? It's about ease of use. It's about uh, addressing pain points from our users, which Mm -hmm. are maybe client advisors, and they don't want something that looks like 1980 MS-DOS style. They want something that uh, looks nice but also works in a very intuitive way.
0: Mm -hmm. You
1: talked about advisory
0: before. And I think that's an interesting part to to zoom in a little bit because some of the countries in Europe, they go more discretionary. How would you sort of combine advisory versus discretionary and how does that actually fit within your solutions?
1: When we talk about discretionary... Um we see also there are quite heterogeneous uh, landscape uh, what pe- what banks or our customers define as adv- uh, discretionary um so it could start with uh, the saa generation as a top point and then the assignment to the uh, client portfolios and then it's uh, about a very efficient rebalancing mm-hmm. uh, and and that's what what is at the core of our optimizer engine and when you look at both at the advisory and discretionary. Ideally, you want to have the same underlying data because you want consistency in your reporting, in your client conversations. And this is uh, where where we see the overlap. And then also the beauty of our, uh, I'm not trying to make too much sales here or marketing, but the beauty of our optimizer engine is that it's actually the the flexibility it offers, right? Uh, We can cover with the optimizer engine, we can cover the advisory use case, i.e., I'm a client advisor. I have five minutes time to create an investment proposal. I, I can go and use the optimizer. It gives me a ready-to-use PDF uh, with uh, investment trade yeah with, with trading yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Or the other use case we're covering is uh, I am the discretionary portfolio management specialist, uh, and uh, I have some very intelligent uh, portfolio managers and I don't want them to spend 10 days of the month by just simply rebalancing in a very repetitive way. But let's free up some resources so they can invest it on more strategic uh, uh, problems. And then the last part that I would also actually also consider as discretionary is um, what is known as robo-advisory. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we also covered that. Uh, but I'd like to make a point. Uh, it's when oftentimes when we speak about robo advisory, it's maybe five to ten ETFs in the background that uh, where the weights get shifted around, and that's called robo advisory. Uh, I'd like to disagree. Uh, our optimizers actually really sourcing from a investment universe that is defined by the bank, and it invests in single instruments. Um, some cl- some of our clients already offer it at 200 francs starting investment uh, and they achieve that, of course, with fractional shares. Uh, but th- what I'm trying to say is that the optimizer engine can really go the full range uh, and you have the same consistent um, data underlying it. Mm-hmm. Well, Talking about the
0: optimizer, I think that in the latest years something very interesting happened because uh, ESG came to the mix the fact that uh, the end investor can make a choice and, and has to make a choice or they opt out, which a lot of the investors actually like. And I think the simple reason is because the systems are not ready to handle that. Um, how 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 are you guys doing that?
1: That's a great question. Um, I would say in all fairness, there, there are there has been optimizers in the market that could always cover some restrictions, right? Uh, there were optimizers that could exclude certain uh, industries, for example. Mm-hmm. But what not a lot of optimizer, I don't know many, <laughs> at least, uh, can do is uh, proactively reflecting ESG preferences into the equation. Um, and important to mention, without Uh, without any downside in terms of risk-return expectations, right? Yeah. And we can go into the depths of it. I don't know if it's maybe too much detail right now. Mathematically, yes, it's true. There is only one optimal uh, risk-return profile for each of the clients. Mm -hmm. But... it it doesn't matter if the return expectations is at three percent or at three point oh 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 one, and then has a better ESG uh, preference rating on that one, and that's where uh, where we think the innovation is. So we mm-hmm. we uh, reflecting those ESG preferences proactively, not just as a passive or let's say as a secondary restriction. I think that is where you can also drive the discussion as a client advisor differently and add mm-hmm. value. So you change from profile
0: from profile uh, business to
1: personalization business. Absolutely, uh, bridging that uh, um, uh, br- bridging that gap between industrialization and individualization, because mm-hmm. we, we cannot forget, right? Banks are under enormous pressure in terms of margins. They have to. Increase efficiency. We are not anymore in the late nineties, or uh, there has to ha- some improvement happen. And uh, this is a nice tool that uh, allows it to, to 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 actually achieve that goal. And mm-hmm. very relevant. I think a lot of banks
0: don't have a, a suitability engine that is being prepared to this new situation. W- what I, what intrigued me about SwissQuant is that um, you use obviously your analytic powers in the wealth management industry but you go far beyond that. Can you explain us where, what do you do and where, how do you actually use that capability in other uh, markets?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and your observation is absolutely right. We uh, Traditionally, we served banks. Uh, these were our main c- uh, clients. But uh, throughout the years, we also understood that what we have built, um, the risk engine, for example, mm-hmm. the use cases are actually much uh, wider and broader. And... Um, Um, For example, if we look at um, impact analytics, uh, this is uh, our investment analysis suit that we offer for external asset managers, multifamily offices, but also CIOs in in some uh, banks. And the reason why we decided to go into that market is that with the risk engine that we've built, this is a banking native, a wealth management native risk engine that allows a holistic view. And this is an important point, right? Uh, Because I know there are engines out there, there are solutions out there, they cover one asset class perfectly, but a wealth management client is not is interested in it's this holistic... Old. Always multi. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're talking, so on the one hand, it's the, the the width again of the asset classes we cover. So we talk about equities, fixed income, but also illiquids, such as private equity, private debt. And that's um, that's something where we can add value. But then also depending on the value proposition of our clients they they they, they, they don't just want to show let's say a very simple volatility kpi right they want to they want to show their expertise by being able to mm-hmm. discuss a variety of uh, kpis such as uh, cvar var they want to do stress testing and these are the things that we always had in the pockets what uh, we understand only since maybe 2 years now that uh, actually uh, external asset managers and family offices are super interested in it mm-hmm. and um, that, that that's something I'm actually looking forward to a lot. Yeah. Oh, nice! And and what what else
0: is on shop? What what else is the the future for Swissbond?
1: When you talk about future and don't mention AI, probably that's uh, very naive. <laughs> Did I mention AI? <laughs> <laughs> so um, so AI is definitely uh, one topic um, that we. I must say, traditionally, always looked into because mm-hmm. our quantitative methods always required. Uh, it's the, a very the, thin line between analytics and AI. In a absolutely way, right, right? Yeah. and our risk engine, for example, always has been uh, uh, applying, let's say, Monte Carlo simulations and very close nearby uh, n- neighbors. Uh, and and what we have done in the over the past two years before, I think, or with and before ChatGPT, we were looking into actually use cases that add value, and it's not just because it says AI. And, um, and we have identified actually uh, some use cases. For example, campaign management. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody knows campaign management. You have a trading idea from a central sales team uh, that's get, uh, that gets distributed to client advisors. I was a client advisor. I know the pain. When my central sales team sends me a trading idea that is super irrelevant to me, <laughs> but I get the extra work because I have to say why I didn't invest in it. And that that's just frustrating. So this is actually a field where we think AI makes sense. So we enhance our uh, buy probability estimations for a campaign for each portfolio on portfolio level, and then combine it with the optimizer we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and then you get a very customized uh, investment proposal for a trading idea. And if it didn't work this time, we make sure that we apply machine learning to improve the results for the next time. So this is one, I think, one of the use cases that AI comes into place and it's going to be.
0: Seller, are you almost saying that you're, you're augmenting the, um, the journey of the advisor by giving more insights that are actually on top of the actual... Small, between brackets, proposal. Uh,
1: augmenting is the perfect word because uh, if, if you know the wealth management industry, um, it's still a people business and it's still the banks, uh, if you look at the big players, they invest a lot in the in the advisors and they bring a lot of to the table. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to necessarily fully replace them. You want to help them. You want to be a co-pilot. You want to augment their work. And that is exactly what we do. We bring maybe 80% uh, and then the final 20%, the important call is with the client advisor and they can decide mm-hmm. if they want to go for it or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it well, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, we're almost at the end of our um, podcast and uh, I think I have one very important question still to mention is how can people contact you?
1: It's quite easy, actually. Uh, So the easiest way would be our website, which is www.swissquant.com. Other than that, we're active on LinkedIn uh, and uh, also uh, present at uh, several conferences.
0: And I think you also have a very nice podcast and some good white papers as well on the website.
1: Yes, uh, thank you for bringing that up, Con. Uh, uh, Our marketing team is going to be very happy about this and they put a lot of (laughs) effort uh, into it. So please make sure to check it out.
0: All right, Salah, thank you very much for having you. And uh, thank you also to the listeners. And stay tuned. More fintech news from the Connector Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Connector Podcast. To connect and keep up to date with all the latest, head over to www.jointheconnector.com
1: or hit subscribe via your podcast streaming platform.